Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers on mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Today's Bible reading will be taken from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Romans 5, 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How about now? There we go. I promise I do this for a living. (laughs) It is so good to see your faces. We pray for you frequently in Houston, and we have since you were planting this church. Femi has been a brother and a friend to me. I have loved this community. We have prayed for it regularly. We, we kind of engage in an exchange program. Cammie and Kevin McKeon came and worshiped here for a couple of years. Some of you may know them. They were leaders and a part of our heart at Seven Mile Road. And, and then we received Francis and KK during the same time. And I was talking with Emmanuel yesterday and he said, uh, you know, when Francis and KK left, there were a lot of tears around here. We, we missed them. And I said, oh, I know, because when they left us, there were tears. We were going, oh, don't leave Houston. Um, We we love this church. I love your pastor. And it is a privilege to be here with you and to lay eyes on you. So thank you for having me. And Pastor Femi, thank you for trusting me with the pulpit, opening the scriptures. This this is a high calling. Um, You have a phenomenal preacher. And so it's with trepidation that I stand behind his pulpit. (laughs) Uh, 
but I do so with great joy. Just before we work this text together, I'm gonna pray. Will you please join me as I do? Gracious God and Father, we thank you that you are a speaking God. We come with expectation, anticipation, because you speak and your word has power. It is fire and it is hammer. It melts and reshapes and works in us if we will receive it with open hearts. So what we're saying now, God, is come and speak to your people. Dig us ears to hear. I pray that this would not be a moment where I am active and the men and women, my brothers and sisters in this room are passive, but I pray that we all together would actively receive your word into our hearts. And that in this time, as a result of that, I want to pray specifically, God, over the areas of disappointment, the areas of heartache and suffering and sadness for my brothers and sisters. I pray that right there in that territory, in every soul in in this room, that, that you would pour out your presence and your love and your tenderness in a way that right there in the midst of our disappointment and suffering, that your word would melt and reshape us and help us to be the sorts of people that experience unshakable joy. That's available to us in Jesus. And so I'm asking God that you would give it and that we would receive it and that you would receive glory as a result. We look forward to what you're going to do. We pray it in Jesus name. Amen. My life has been transformed over the last year. And the staff of the church that I lead and the congregation that I'm walking with, we are all on this journey together. It is a journey of joy. Recognizing and uncovering and stepping into this reality that our birthright as Christians is joy. It's our birthright that when you say yes to Jesus and you are filled by the Holy Spirit, his fruit begins to work through you and joy is just on the other side of love. Love and joy begin to erupt from the life that is being reworked by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is yours in Jesus. It's already yours. And in just a fresh way in the community that I pastor, we have been believing that. (laughs) We've been experiencing that. It's been, it's been a really, uh, it's been stunning. And I want to just bring a piece of that to you. And since I just have one shot on a Sunday morning with you, I want to take you to the pinnacle. I want to go up to the top of the mountaintop where you see the birthright that is ours in Jesus, that is joy. I want us to go up there and explore that beautiful, crisp air that territory that has been purchased for us by Jesus and has been gifted to you, that we can be men and women of joy. By joy, what I mean is a pervasive sense of well-being, a sense of wholeness that does express itself in exultant worship and praise like we just experienced together. We were tasting it. The Psalms actually command us time and again to sing for joy. That's what we were doing in this room. We were expressing our birthright together. We have reason to celebrate. But, But what I think is up at the pinnacle of joy is not just the exultant song, so that's part of it. 
But I think the place at which we, we understand how deep and profound our joy is, and is not when it's a thin veil, like a religious veil that stretched over our lives where we muster up looking good on Sunday morning and feeling like, okay, I, I'm joyful. I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm pulling it together. Biblical joy we're going to see in this passage is durable. It endures. It runs deep. It exists even in the moments when suffering and sadness and disappointment feel like they are clouding around and pressing in on you. Right there in that moment, listen, your birthright still holds. Joy is still yours in the midst of suffering. And what I want to do is I want to explore that space together because I think it is the, the pinnacle of our birthright in, in Jesus as we, as we discuss the realities of a joy that endures even in that space. What we're going to see in Romans 5, 1 to 11 is this. Justification by faith is the vehicle by which that sort of enduring joy settles down into our bones. Justification by faith in this text, it's where this text starts. Did you hear it? Therefore, since you've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. It's where this passage ends. And so in a sense, it's kind of like the bread. You know, it's like the bread at the beginning and the end on a blessing sandwich. Justification by faith is the vehicle by which blessing upon blessing upon blessing is going to be delivered into your heart. And so we're going to, we're going to explore those blessings today. But before we do, I just want to, I want to make sure that I'm defining my theological ter terms because what I, what I want to do with you is theology on fire. <laughs> I want to do some theology, but I've been asking the Holy Spirit to come light it ablaze such that it would grow warm in your soul and you would go, oh, I believe it. Amen. You see, justification by faith is the bread. It's where it starts and where it ends. Justification. Justification means that you are right before God. In the courtrooms of God, the statement over someone who has been justified is perfect. The one that has been justified, when God sees them, he sees as if they have done everything just right in word and thought and deed justified. What this text is talking about is justification by faith. What that means is that if you are going to have that sort of status before God, that he looks on you and says, perfect, clean, pure, it's not going to happen by effort. trying to scrub myself and make myself clean, forget the things of the past and pretend like they didn't happen, strain with more effort and more grit. To have that sort of standing before God, justified by faith, it is going to come by faith in the completed work of Jesus. This text is going to talk about that vehicle of of turning our gaze on Jesus and seeing him on the cross, bleeding and dying, and actually, listen, actually believing that in that moment something was happening. Your sin was miraculously, if your faith is in him, placed on him in that moment. He was paying the price for that sin so that you can have perfect standing before God, justified by faith. This is our theological vessel this morning. It's going to be the bread, and it's going to deliver to us a triple-decker blessing sandwich. There are three blessings that that truth, when it is lit on fire in your soul, 
that it will deliver to you. And I want to explore them with you. We're going to take them one at a time with special emphasis on the third, because that's what we've come to do. We're going to talk about joy in the midst of suffering. But I want to take them in order because I want you to feel the progression of these blessings. Are you with me? Yes. You feel good about this? We okay? Yes. Any questions or concerns? We all right? <laughs> Blessing number one. Blessing number one, that justification by faith delivers directly into your soul. Now listen, I want you to look at me in the eyes and I want you to hear me say it to you. God's not mad at you. God's not mad at you. I need you to hear it. And I want us to explore and celebrate it together because the first gift the first blessing that is delivered by justification by faith is this reality. God is not mad at you. Did you hear it in verse one? And then again in verse nine, let me read it for you. It says this, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, there it is, that's the delivery mechanism. Here's what, what's coming. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, what that means is there's no bad blood. There's no tension in the relationship. It's whole. It's good. He's not mad. He said, we've got peace. Everything here is okay. And then if you skip down in verse 9, as you see the way that he's sandwiching, as he's bringing this together, in verse 9 he says it this way. Therefore, since we have now been justified by his blood, there it is, the delivery system again, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So when it starts, it says justification means there's peace. And then later it says justification means the wrath of God has been satisfied. Those are connected ideas. Because listen, God has holy fury for sin. Holy, he's furious. That's what wrath means. Do you know why? He spoke billions of galaxies into existence by the vapor of his mouth. He's beautiful and power and glorious and good. And when he created everything, he said, it's good, 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 very good. And it's all being broken by sin. And he hates it. He has holy fury for sin, which raises a problem. For those of us outside of Christ, all of a sudden, here we are interacting with a God who has rightful fury for sin. We have a major problem, but the beauty, the, the blessing that justification by faith delivers to your soul is this. God shows up and says, that has been tended to by the blood of Jesus, friend, brother, sister. And I'm not mad at you. I don't have fury towards you. We're good. I remember I, I grew up with a friend, a, a friend of mine. We grew up together and I remember... He's one of these friends that just had a, an angry dad. And I remember we were, we were actually at a gathering. You, you, you have potluck dinners. Does that word mean anything? Can you translate that for me? <laughs> yeah, okay, you got me. Potluck. So I was at a potluck meal. Everybody brought a dish and we're all lined up and we're coming along and serving our food, right? And my friend and his dad were in front of me in line. My friend was fixing his plate. He was probably 12 years old. And he had cheese on a cracker and the cheese was falling off and he kind of made a mess. And his dad grabbed him by the scruff of the neck. And he said, what are you doing? 
You're embarrassing me. Clean it up. And I remember in that moment, standing in line and watching it happen, it made so much sense. I've been friends with this, with this guy for many years. I'm still friends with him. And it made so much sense about what I see in him because he, he's kind of one of these guys that he's always flinching. He's always pulling back. He's very low self-confidence. He's worried about what everybody thinks about him because he's always assumed someone is standing right behind him, ready to grab him by the scarf of the neck saying, what are you thinking? Listen to me. God's not like that. God's not like that. That's not the way he treats his children. He's not that kind of father. He's not waiting to pounce. He's not waiting to find you out in your embarrassment. He covers your humiliation, your shame. He doesn't expose it. Oh, now listen, there's a reason that we call this good news. Because I don't know about you, but the cheese has slipped off my cracker more times than I know how to count. Like, I'm a professional at it. <laughs> that's what I do. And our father says, that's not the way I treat you. Listen, some of you grew up in a house like that. Some of you had a father like that. Some of you still do. Some of you, that's the voice in your head that you've allowed God to sound like that. And what I need you to hear, that justification by faith delivers to your soul, is what he says is, that's not me. I don't wait to pounce. We have peace. We're good. This is what justification by faith delivers to your soul. What he is saying is because of Jesus' work on the cross, listen, Christian, brother, sister, God's not mad at you. Uh, but the good news of the gospel does not stop there. It doesn't stop at peace. <laughs> listen to me. Look at me. Blessing number two. God's crazy about you. You believe it? He's crazy about you. <laughs> he doesn't stop at saying we're good. That's not the gospel. Justification by faith says, listen, I'm not mad, but not just that. I am postured towards your blessing and your benefit forever. Let me read it to you. Did you hear it? In verse, verse 2a, look at the first part of verse 2. It says this, through him... We have also, so okay, we've got peace, but we also have something else. We also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Now, if we're, if we're doing theology on fire, let me define our terms again. Grace, God's unmerited favor. Okay, unmerited, that means you didn't earn it. This isn't a paycheck at the end of the two-week period, or it's not a bonus at the end of the year because you really killed it this year. It's grace. It's unmerited. You haven't done anything for it. And it's favor. <laughs> unmerited favor poured out on you. Listen, God's favor, there is no one more creative, more powerful, more abundant, more beautiful, more kind, more gracious than God. And what he's saying is, when you have been justified by faith, I posture myself towards you every day, forever, without fail, to pour out my favor, Amen. to be good to you, because I'm crazy about you. 
He says it in verses six through eight in this way. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. And that while we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to, let me ask you to do something courageous for a moment. It might be something you haven't done in a long time. I want you to recall your most shameful moment. We've all got them. You know that thing that you hope nobody ever hears about? Those things that you've done where you're like, Kim, how is that possible? Like we've all got those moments where when we look back on it, we go, I didn't know I was capable of that. Would you call it to mind with me? Listen, it was there, it was there. At that moment, in that dark valley, it was there that this text is saying God set his love on you and he came rushing towards you. It was, it was there, down there. He said, I see you and I'm coming for you because I'm crazy about you. And listen, if God's favor and love is true for you down there, anywhere else you go, it's true. <laughs> That's what this text is saying. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. While you were riddled with shame and brokenness, he loved you. Listen, you've got nothing to prove. You've got nothing to earn. It's all yours. He's not mad at you. He's crazy at, about you. The way that it, it says it in verse 2, it's a progressive verb when it says we stand in his grace. We're standing. In, it's, it's this picture of like a, a waterfall. Now, listen, I want to show you a picture of a very famous waterfall from the United States. Maybe you've heard of it. It's Niagara Falls. Do we have that picture? Okay, you can see that a little bit. Let me, let me get out of your way. So this is Niagara Falls. This is on the northern end of the United States, kind of right on the, the border with Canada. I've never been. It's on my, my bucket list. I want to go there before I die. Now, this is the main fall. And over that edge... 681,750 gallons, 681,750 gallons of water flow every second. 681,750 gallons every second. And from what I understand, you see this little boat? And then there's people lined up along here. Everybody goes, and, and they actually say that when you're riding up in the boat or you're standing on the railway, that you can't hear each other speak because it's just... that people catch their breath and they're stunned at the, at the overwhelming reality of 681,750 gallons per second. And they just, they stand, they pay their money and they stand in line and they get on the boat just to go here. That's verse two. You're standing under a waterfall of grace, God's favor and kindness over every area of your life, even your darkest shame and most broken moments, like a waterfall, 680,000 gallons a second. And listen, you can't get out of it. You can't come out for air. You can't, it just, it covers you. Your past, your present, your future, 
If you have been justified by faith, the blessings that it's delivering into your soul is God is crazy about you. At every moment, even your darkest. And once you step under that waterfall, that's your identity. It's your story. He's not mad at you. He's crazy about you. Peace. Grace. Now listen. The next blessing is unstoppable because of those two things. I wanted you to feel the progression in your soul of the, the logic and the theology on fire. Justification by faith brings you peace. God's not mad at you. It brings you grace. He's crazy about you. And then flooding in behind, unstoppable, connected, logically, theologically, in the Spirit's fire in your soul, joy. This is that moment where it's like, strike up the band. It's time to sing. The God of the universe who has holy wrath for all sin is not mad at me and he loves me and he's covering me over with a waterfall of his grace every moment of my existence. How can we not sing? This is joy. And this is why the text, feel the progression in the text with me. Verse 2b, it's the second half of the verse. And it just is so simply stated, right? He says, it's into this grace in which we stand. We're under the waterfall and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He's going, well, how could you not? Rejoice could also be defined as choose joy. Rejoice is this idea of I select joy. In essence, what it's saying is joy is now an option for you. It's, it's an option. It's available to you. You can choose it. Because of what God has accomplished, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The hope of the glory of God. It's this future, brilliant reality that one day, listen, Christian, brother, sister, one day, for those that are in Jesus, we will, we will be so awash with his glory, billions and billions of ways that he has shown his glory and his kindness to us, that 10 billion years from now, we will be awash in his glory and kindness, and we will look at one another and go, do you, do you, remember, do you remember sadness? Do, do you remember, I think there was something called can, cancer, death. Future glory is so overwhelming, it's not worth comparing to our, our present suffering. It's going to swallow it whole. What he's saying is we have a hope in future glory. So I, I live in Houston, Texas. It is a hot and humid city, if you don't know. I mean, it, it, Francis, you can attest. The summers are, are brutal, and not that it's not hot here, but can I, can I get it? Yeah, okay, okay, okay. It's hot. My family and I, every summer, we take two weeks and we escape. We, we flee. <laughs> and I, I have a wife and three boys, and uh, our house, the walls start closing in on us because nobody wants to go outside when it's hot and humid and sweaty. And, and so uh, in the summer, we go to Colorado, to the Rocky Mountains, up to mountains that are thousands of, of meters, beautiful, crisp, clean air. And, uh, and the interesting thing happens in our house, about a month before the trip, every year this thing starts happening. 
to walk from the front door to the car. You walk to the car and you get and your shirt is soaked through with sweat. Like, ah, and you turn on the AC and we'll drive around like that, sweating the whole family together. And we'll start telling stories about Colorado. Like, guess what? Uh, 26 days from now, we're going to have to put on a jacket when we wake up. And that's like glory, you know, like there. And we'll talk about it. We've got a few places that we go. We say, you know, that one spot in Avon where we can go up on the on the crest and you look out and the sun sets over the mountains and you can feel the mountain breeze. And we stay up there and shiver until it's dark and our noses are cold. You know it? We'll tell those stories to one another and we'll all be like laughing as we're driving through the heat in Houston. You know what we're doing there? We're borrowing present joy from future glory. That's what we're doing. And, and the truth is, the glory that awaits you and me, <laughs> oh, it's so much better than a mountain breeze. Like the future glory that is going to swallow and reframe all of our sadness is so stunning that this text is saying we can choose joy in the hope of glory. We can borrow from it and we go, oh, that is who I am. He is, he is doing this good work in me. And so right now I can choose joy in this moment. Okay, this brings us back to where we started. Where I'm from, we would say we've gone all the way around the block to get to the neighbor's door. Okay. I started by saying, is joy possible in the moments of your suffering? Like, okay, okay, preacher, man, in the moments where I'm worshiping, where I'm aware of this, that's great. But what about when future glory feels so distant? What about when I, like, I get that phone call that things are not what I thought they were? And listen to you, I'm preaching from my life right now. Like this is my heart before you. My wife is pregnant with our fourth child and he has special needs. He's gonna be born in a couple of months and we've been praying and preparing, going, God, this is not what we thought this was going to be. Our, our fourth son that has Down syndrome, that they, they can't tell us totally how it's going to affect our lives, but our lives will never be the same. We're working through that together. We've all got things like that. It's, life's not what we thought it was going to be, right? What about there? What about right there? When you get the call that, that a family member is really sick or that you've gotten a bad diagnosis or that you've lost the job or that the finances are no longer secure and all of a sudden we're going, okay, 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 I've got all this theology, I've got all these answers and these things, but does it hold here? Is joy durable and true and steadfast even in the midst of suffering? And what I want you to hear, I want to explore together, is that, is that Paul anticipates the question. He knows where we live. He knows our story. He knows what street we're on. He knows what call we just got. The Holy Spirit at work in him. This is what he says in the very next idea because he understands that this is the question that is going to be present in the human hearts. Verse three, he says, not only that. So this means even more so. Okay, so you have peace and you have grace and you have joy. You can choose joy, but he says even more than that. Listen. We rejoice. What's the next word? In our sufferings. 
When I read that, it's part of me, it's like, is there a misprint in my Bible? Rejoice in our sufferings? I don't know about you, but I spend most of my life trying to rejoice around my sufferings. Like in spite of my sufferings. There's something here, but I just need to have, I need to go have like a good, a good worship moment where I forget that so that I can rejoice again. And God's going, no, 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 no. This blessing sandwich that's being delivered to your soul, what justification by faith delivers into your soul, is you don't have to get out of that right there in the midst of it. Rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. What he's saying is this, that we can rejoice in the midst of our sufferings, not because of them, because suffering is the vehicle that's gonna deliver things into your life that you've always wanted and you can't get any other way. I'm gonna say that again. We rejoice in our sufferings because sufferings will deliver things into your life that you've always wanted and that they're not gonna get there any other way. He gives us a few of them in this text. He says, when, when you suffer, when things don't go as planned and you feel like the rug gets pulled out from under your feet, he says, when you walk that road as someone who understands justification by faith, that God's not mad at you. God's grace is on you. He says, there's some things that are going to begin to emerge. The first is this endurance. Endurance in the original language in Greek is a word called hupomane. Can you say that one? one say that one with me. Hupomane. Oh, good. Yeah, there you go. That's your, that's your uh, Greek lesson for the day. <laughs> Hupamane, I love that word. It means cheerful endurance. Patience in the pain. This is that weathered saint who has deep kind of wrinkles. They've got gray hair. They, they're weathered. And when everything is coming undone and people are thinking they've Everything's going to come apart. They're the ones that in the midst of it all is just sitting calmly. Yeah, it's it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You ever been in that moment where everyone's losing their mind, but there's someone, there's like sage wisdom in the midst of it all that is just this picture of steady? Don't you want to be that kind of person? Don't you want to be that? I want to. Listen, the only way it happens is through suffering. You don't get transformed into that kind of person. Otherwise, he says, rejoice in your suffering because I'm going to work hupamane down into your bones. And then he says, and not just that, but character. And character literally means tested or tried by fire. It means that you have been shown to be pure and good. That fire, pardon me, that, that testing and trials is like a fire that rushes through your life and it cleanses and purifies and transforms. And he says, what is left is genuine character. A person that is, that is solid and unshakable. This is the sort of person that when you get that difficult call, when all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out from under your feet, you're grabbing your phone and you're scrolling for their phone number. You know that person? You're like, oh, they'll understand. They're unshakable. They're good in their character. They, can, they will walk with me and listen to me and care for me. I've got to talk to that person. Don't you want to be that person? The only way it happens, suffering. Endurance produces character. 
produces hope. You see, when you've endured under suffering, knowing, knowing that God's not mad at you and that his favor is on you, you endure and you build character and then all of a sudden you're a person of hope and what it says is that hope, it, it, it's not going to put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. It does not put us to shame. That could be, it does not humiliate us. Like, this sort of person is able to hope when confronting suffering because they are tasting and knowing the love of God. Um, this, sort of, this sort of person, the truth is that disappointment and pain, loss, suffering, it tempts you. It tempts you to say, I'm going to pull my hopes down to the dirt. I'm not going to allow my heart to hope for good things anymore because it just hurts too much to be disappointed. What this text is saying is that the person who has endurable joy delivered to them by justification, by faith, that they're able. There's a knock at the door and you go and you open the door and it's suffering. Suffering has come for you. Listen, Christian, it will come for you. As a baseline of living east of Eden, we all suffer. And the question is, when you open the door, what is your heart's posture going to be? The person who has theology on fire, justification by faith, they can open the door and say, joy. I've been expecting you. And listen, listen, I love what you're going to do to me. Niagara hasn't dried up. Like in the moment of your suffering and your disappointment, Niagara hasn't given up. It's not like the heat of the day scorched it. It's still... When you get the call and the rug is pulled out, you're still under the favor of God. And God loves you and he is going to use this suffering, this sadness, this disappointment, this pain to work something in you that is going to make you beautiful and radiant. And someday in his presence, you will look back and say, oh, I wouldn't have picked it that way. But in your hands, a faithful father postured towards me for my good. Oh, joy. We can rejoice in our sufferings. Do you know why? I've told you from the start, but I want to show it to you in the text. I just want you to hear, after, after the Holy Spirit through the pen of Paul has just made some stunning promises to us, blessing upon blessing, God's not mad at you. He's crazy about you. Joy is your birthright. And then he tells us how and why he's been able to make these sorts of promises to us. And I just want you to see it in verse 6, 8, 9, and 10, one after another. Pay attention. This is the delivery system. What he says is this. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died. Verse 8. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since there we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And then again in verse 10, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Do you think he's trying to make a point? Where the text repeats itself, he's saying, please don't miss this. 
I have just made some outrageous promises to you. You have peace and you have grace and you have joy. But listen, don't miss this. The reason that God can make promises to you about what is happening in your suffering is because he took it into his own bones. Would you, in your mind's eye, would you let your heart see him there? The one who spoke galaxies into existence because of his love for you and his commitment to you. See him there, bleeding and dying on the cross, stripped naked, beaten and spat upon. See him, look at him there. Listen, he's bleeding and dying to deliver these blessings to your soul. It's what he's securing there on the cross for you and for me. And do you hear it? He musters his energy. And as he's gasping for breath, what he proclaims is this. It's finished. It's finished. You don't have anything left to accomplish. You don't have anything to prove. You don't have anything to earn. And as he gave up his spirit, the curtain in the temple ripped from top to bottom. The presence of God was poured out. He came and he filled us. And what he was filling us with was peace. We're good. Grace, I'm for you. Joy in the midst of all of life, durable joy. Listen, brothers and sisters, God's not mad at you. He's crazy about you. And as a result, you and I can have joy even in our suffering. for listening to the gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.